I'm Cassie Hilbron, and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. Today's episode is all about chicken. I chat with Natasha Bull from the popular food blog, Salt and Lavender. If you've searched for a chicken recipe online, say Google or Pinterest, I think chances are you've actually already come across one of Natasha's recipes. Salt and Lavender is all about tasty recipes that are made from scratch and easy to prepare. Natasha believes that delicious recipes made from good quality ingredients shouldn't have to be complicated or overly time consuming. She strives to make her recipes approachable for the average cook with easy to find ingredients and clear instructions. Natasha's readers love a good chicken recipe, and I knew that she was just the woman that I had to speak to to give us the breakdown on cooking with chicken. I will be the first to admit that I've had quite the journey when it comes to chicken. I used to notoriously overcook it as I was so scared of salmonella and food poisoning, but really the only thing that I was ever at risk of was extremely dry, bland chicken. Natasha and I chat about the pain points people have when it comes to cooking chicken, chicken safety, what kind of chicken is best for what recipe, and cooking tips to getting it perfect every time. This week's recipe of the week is my Greek roast chicken. I actually mentioned this recipe in this conversation. Spoiler alert. No, it's not really. (laughs) But I was talking about when I was recipe testing it and I've actually got that recipe on the blog now. So I thought I would mention it as a recipe of the week. If you've never made a whole roast chicken at home before, I would love you to try this recipe. I Trust me, it is absolutely easy. Anybody can do it. And it has these beautiful Greek flavors, lemon, garlic, oregano. Oh, it's perfection. And the crispy skin is unreal. Grab that recipe as well as all the links we discussed in today's episode at cookitrealgood.com slash 51. Now let's dive in. Hi, Natasha. Welcome to the Cook It Real Good podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. Excited to be here. Now, before we kick off things today, can I ask you, what is your signature dish? The one that everyone's like, Natasha, you have to bring that when you come to the barbecue or the party. Well, everyone loves my creamy garlic chicken. It's really easy to make. It's crazy popular on my blog. I haven't met someone who didn't like it. It has melt in your mouth, whole garlic cloves and a garlicky sauce. And it goes really fast. Oh, creamy garlic and chicken. I'm so in. I think I've actually seen that one um, come up in my Pinterest before and I was, it stopped my scroll. I was like, I need to make this immediately. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to link that one in the show notes because I'm sure that just us talking about it now, people will be like, I need to get out of my car, go to to the shops and get what I need for the recipe and make it now. (laughs) Get some garlic. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Now, that's kind of like a good lead-in. It's an unintentional segue, but today we're talking about chicken. (laughs) So I'm glad that your signature dish was a chicken one. (laughs) Um, But, you know, chicken 
is something that is delicious and very, very popular type of meat, but it can also be very intimidating, especially if you haven't cooked a lot with it before or cooking with a new cut of, of chicken. So what are some of the pain points that people have when it comes to cooking chicken? Yeah, like you mentioned, you know, overcooking chicken, that can be a big thing. Um, Or salmonella, right? Mm -hmm. Undercooking chicken. I think a lot of people are very scared of undercooking it. Um, And the thing with chicken is it probably needs less time to cook than you think it does. So it's a bit of a catch-22 where you're like, okay, well, I don't want to get salmonella, but I also don't want to overcook chicken and turn it dry. Yes, you're pretty much describing exactly how I felt like for the first like year that I was cooking out of home. <laughs> like, what do I do with this? So yes. starting with the safety side of things is a good place to start. I know that salmonella in particular, when you just mentioned that, was something that I used to worry about when I first started cooking. How do we store chicken safely, both raw and cooked? And, and also how do we make sure that it's cooked properly? Like you said, that finding that fine line between undercooking and overcooking okay so just generally for um a tip for preparing chicken so i'm pretty careful about this avoiding cross-contamination so when i prepare chicken i actually have a separate cutting board that i designate just for chicken or meat it's a plastic cutting board and after i'm done i just pop it in the dishwasher and i don't worry about getting it properly sanitized I don't have a huge kitchen, but I always prepare chicken in a separate part of the counter than I do the rest of the stuff for the meal. So say you're, you know, making a recipe for, I don't know, a salad where there's uncooked components as well as, you know, you're dealing with raw chicken. Never cut them close to each other because, you know, the risk of cross-contamination is fairly high. So I'm always very careful about that. Then when you're done, make sure to wipe with a disinfecting spray, like just a Lysol kitchen spray works. And while you're cooking, wash your hands a lot. You know, I never like touch raw chicken and then, you know, move to another part of the kitchen without washing my hands. It's just basic tips like these that can, you know, give you a better peace of mind when you're cooking chicken. Like it's really not a scary thing to deal with as long as you, you know, keep a few things in mind. Like we mentioned earlier, the uh, use of a meat thermometer to ensure it's cooked properly. And then just, you know, using the best practices for storing the chicken and preparing the chicken. That's such a good idea. And making sure that you've got this, you know, the cutting board is a big one because I think people do feel a bit icky about touching raw chicken and being around raw chicken. So if you've just got a separate cutting board, you don't really need to think about it. Just get out of the way once you're done with it. Exactly. Okay. So to talk a little bit about storing chicken. So uh, to store uncooked raw chicken, I like to store it in a separate part of the fridge. So I'm lucky and I have a separate meat drawer. So just meat usually chicken gets stored in there. Um, It should be set even colder than the rest of the fridge if possible. Like my meat drawer, it'll keep stuff frozen actually for longer if you just take it right out of the freezer and put it in there. Um, If you don't have a separate section, then I recommend just like keeping it, you know, in like a plastic bag or like, you know, a Tupperware type container and just put it off to the side. Like you don't want it to touch and cross-contaminate anything like lettuce or something that, you know, you might be eating raw. Um, if you're buying chicken in bulk, I recommend that you divide it into portions right away, like as soon as you get home and then kind of freeze what you need, um, parcel it off and, 
you know, just keep it separate from everything else. Okay. And if you are storing it in the fridge, is it like one to two days that you can keep the raw chicken there? Well, this yeah. subject can be a little controversial and a little confusing. So, you know, you go to the grocery store and you pick up a pack of chicken breasts, for example, and you look at the date. You're like, oh, you know, I've got a good like five days before, you know, I have to use this. But then you go to the grocery store another day and be like, oh, like it's, it's, you know, best before tomorrow. So, I mean, I would say just err on the side of what, you know, the package of chicken says and cook it as quickly as you can. Like that's, that's, you know, kind of the rule that I personally live by. And if the chicken starts to look like it's got a strange sort of yellow tinge to it I tend to kind of avoid that like if you have some time to you know stand in the store and kind of compare and you can kind of tell when it looks a bit more not like rosy but you know it's got sort of a better color to it a little more healthy you want to look for signs like that too and I think just the more you work with chicken the more kind of experienced you'll be at like sussing that out and of course you know this kind of goes without without saying even if it's got a good date, if it smells funky to you, do not cook it. You know, you always want to bin it. Like, you do not want to risk it if it's got a strange odor to it. It should be pretty much odorless, especially if you're buying, like, boneless, skinless chicken breast. That's some good advice. I I usually try to do, like, my rule of thumb is if I'm not going to use it within, like, one or two days, just freeze it. Like, just yes. just freeze it and then yes. I can defrost it. Everything will be fine. And then I just take all of the guesswork out of it. But, yeah, just I, exactly. I agree with you. Cook yeah. it as quickly as possible or store it away safely. Yes. On the thing, you know, and if you do take it out of the freezer and thaw it, like make sure you don't leave it in there for days on end, right? Like, yes. you know, take it out, thaw it in the fridge overnight and, you know, make sure it is properly thawed before you cook it. That's one thing to remember. Um, one exception would be the Instant Pot. So an electric pressure cooker, you actually can cook chicken from frozen, but really other uses like just in your pan or in the crock pot you know make sure that you've thought it thoroughly that's such a good idea and and it is that leaving it in the fridge to to thaw as well because i i remember back when i was growing up my mum would always leave the cuts of meat out on the on the sink to defrost all day now i kind of feel sick thinking about it but real, realistically we should be taking it out and leaving it in the fridge to to thaw overnight or you know during the day yeah from there yeah I mean that's the best way like sometimes like I mentioned my cold drawer in the fridge my meat drawer is really really cold so I'll take out the chicken and it'll still be partially frozen I'll be like oh damn you know I wanted to make a recipe with it now so I'll take it out I will leave it on the counter you know but I'll watch it carefully right like I won't leave it all day it'll be maybe a couple hours until it's you know thought it'll still be really cold inside you just want to be mindful right like it's not going to go off right away no. but you just you know it's not something that you want to leave out you know in the warm sunshine so it suddenly breeds bacteria and that's just not a good thing <laughs> yeah well I guess like my concern is being that we I grew up in a very hot place <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't mm. technically that good but yeah you're right um, I've definitely let things that are like almost partially there like you know sometimes you get you get out like I've had like chicken wings and they've just been like a little bit of icy on the edges and I'll just leave them out and they'll be fine if I separate them yeah yeah you just 
you'll probably be fine, but just, yeah, be careful. Yes, you're so right. Like I wouldn't recommend doing that in the the middle of summer or something. So just be careful. (laughs) Now tell me, how do we tell if chicken is cooked enough? So I've been cooking chicken for years and obviously I do a lot of chicken recipes on my blog. They're, you know, the most popular for my audience. So, you know, even I don't eyeball it. Like you can, and the whole juices run clear thing isn't really accurate with chicken. So you want to buy an instant read thermometer. For years, I was resistant to get one because I kept picturing that old thermometer my mom had where you like stuck it into the bird and it barely worked and it wasn't digital. It was just this like old school meat thermometer. And that's not what they're like these days. I think you can probably buy like an analog one still, but you can get a digital instant read thermometer for like 15 bucks on Amazon or wherever. It's instant, so you like stick it in, wait a couple seconds, and it'll give you your temperature. So they say that chicken is safely cooked at 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, One thing to remember is that once you stop cooking the chicken, the temperature will continue rising. So if you're cooking chicken and, you know, say you pull it out of the oven or, you know, you're cooking it in a skillet or whatever, then you take the temperature and it fits anywhere around 160 degrees. I'd be at that point, I'd be like, okay, it's about time to take it out or, you know, it's about done because by the time the temperature rises, it will be at that 165 degree mark and you can ensure that the chicken is not going to be overcooked. That's a really good tip because that is something that you need to factor in is that it will continue to cook a little bit. And just to clarify as well, the, you'd be looking at, so the 165 Fahrenheit, you'd be looking at roughly say 73, 74 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Just for all my um, I Okay. Yes. You know, it's funny because we have Celsius in Canada, but most of my readers are in America for my blog. So I do everything in Fahrenheit for cooking wise. And I have no idea what, the, what it is in Celsius. I just so. Googled. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know it's so confusing. I'm just like, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I don't want to like scare people off. You really don't have to be like exactly, you're not going to ruin the chicken if it's like 175, like you're really not, it'll still be tender, but it's, you know, when you get to the point where you just cook it for an extra like five, 10 minutes and it's something like a chicken breast, like boneless, skinless chicken breast, then, you know, then you'll start getting the chicken into rubbery territory and that's what we want to avoid. So I highly recommend getting an instant read meat thermometer. It just takes all the guesswork out of it. The meat thermometer definitely changed my cooking. I used to, like if I was cooking chicken breasts, for example, I would cook them and then I would end up like cutting into them to make sure there was no yep. pink left. And uh, it was a disaster. So that meat thermometer saved me time and time again. And yeah, it's not just good for chicken. You can use it for all cuts of meat and it just takes all of the guesswork out of it. Exactly. So tell me, how do we safely store cooked chicken? Because I don't think I asked that before. So storing leftover chicken, leftover cooked chicken. So, you know, you cook chicken, you're like, oh, how long is this going to last? Like, how long has this been in the fridge so far? So experts say three to five days in the fridge is okay. I like to err on the side of the caution. Like my husband and my mom, they would go, you know, past five days. I personally would go up to about three days before I'm like, eh, this might be a bit iffy. And for food in the freezer, like leftover cooked chicken, that can last up to about six months in the fridge. I like to use it after about three months and you can, you know, carefully label everything just because it 
doesn't taste as nice the longer you leave it and you can start to develop freezer burn on the food. So about three months is good. Say so. What about you know? If you've made something like obviously, if you make chicken and it's you know in a sauce or flavored, um, you might just keep it as the original dish for leftovers. But what if you make something like yeah, like a plain chicken breast? Like, do you have any ideas of how you could use those leftovers to repurpose and make other types of meals? Yeah. So, you know, if you have plain cooked chicken and there's actually a lot of demand for those, there's a lot of recipes for like instant pot cooked, like shredded chicken or crock pot shredded chicken. There are a lot of recipes that use cooked chicken. So even on my website, like you can search on there for leftover chicken or cooked chicken and a lot of recipes, a lot of recipes will pop up. So, you know, things like soups and I always recommend like add the cooked chicken in towards the end because you don't want to, you know, turn it completely dry and rubbery. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like tacos, you know, you can just use your shredded cooked chicken and then load up uh, your tacos with the toppings that you want, you know, even toss it in the dressing or like salads, like, you know, you get your plain chicken and, you know, toss a nice dressing on there and, you know, you can have a delicious quick dinner, make like a sandwich or pita. So there's certainly a lot of demand for, cook chicken and a lot of recipes do use it that's awesome that's yeah I, I do like the idea of like prepping something ahead of time and then using it for like easy meals throughout the week so that's some good ideas of how to mm-hmm. use that and people can use that search function on your blog and check out some recipes too now i know that there's many different cuts of chicken that you'll find at the grocery store but for time's sake let's just chat about say chicken breasts and chicken thighs, when should we use them? Why should we use them? What are the good points and the bad points about both? Let's chat. (laughs) Okay. Well, after blogging for five years now, I've come to the conclusion that really for the most part comes down to personal preference. So what I mean by that is that most people at least that I've encountered, tend to prefer chicken breasts. So I make pretty much all my chicken recipes with boneless, skinless chicken breasts because that's what the masses seem to prefer. Now, with that said, um, if you're cooking something like a super stew, that's where the chicken's going to be cooked for a long time, unless you're really careful and, you know, add it in, like, towards the end of the recipe then I really strongly suggest using chicken thighs just because they are so much more forgiving like you can overcook them by you know say like 10 minutes when you're roasting them or even more and they have enough fat that they will still remain like tender and juicy so anything that you cook for a long time I you know I put this note in like all my chicken blog posts like you know you can swap with chicken thighs you know I recommend chicken thighs if you're cooking for any length of time but yes and so many people tend to prefer the chicken breasts i'm just like okay you know we can adapt the recipe for that just be mindful of over of not overcooking them yeah chicken breasts are something that like can easily turn from nice to as you said rubbery um and i'm i'm surprised that your readers prefer chicken breasts like i know i i know people think that they're like healthier and that's that's the spin that it gets. But I thought that most people preferred the chicken thigh. So that's a very interesting anecdote. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that, you know, it varies like regionally, like, you know, I've never been to Australia. I'd love to go maybe in Australia, people prefer chicken thighs. Um, I know like in America, like anytime I post a recipe with chicken thighs, unless it's like, 
baked chicken thighs, which people are like literally searching for that recipe. <laughs> Be like, I'll get tons of questions. Can I make this with chicken breasts? Wow. So that's, that's, yeah, that's why I tend to do that. I mean, I personally think chicken thighs have more flavor, but I guess I cook so many chicken breasts that that's just kind of my go-to now. Oh, and bone in usually has more flavor. So, you know, you can get chicken breasts, like, it's not common that you can buy them with, like, the bone, but that will give you a little more flavor, you know, if you buy, like, like the whole, I guess, attached thing. Um, but chicken thighs, you know, you can get the bone-in skin on, and those are probably the most flavorful, like, I would say, like, easy-to-cook cut of chicken that you can buy, along with the drumsticks. Oh, the bone-in skin on chicken thighs are my absolute favorite cut of chicken, mm-hmm. I swear. Like that's – put some salt and pepper on that skin, get it all crispy, and you're right. Like it is a very forgiving type of cut as well, especially with the bone-in. Um, like, yeah, if I leave it in the oven for longer, it, it never comes out and like, oh, this is inedible. It just gets even more delicious if that's possible. <laughs> yep, Exactly. Something as well that I think that people might not be aware of is how accessible it is to roast a whole chicken. Yes, it's really not bad. Like I know um, a lot of people just pick up like the $10 rotisserie chicken from the grocery store and that's, you know, super quick and easy. But sometimes it's nice to just, you know, roast your own chicken. I always feel really accomplished when I'm able to roast a whole chicken. Like I don't know what it is about that because it's so easy, but, you know, you just feel like, oh, you know, I roasted a whole chicken and then you've got like, you know, a delicious sort of roast dinner and then you've got leftovers for the week so it's super easy so roasting a chicken like you really don't have to babysit it you basically just like I rub it with like some herbs I put a lemon into the into the cavity I think sometimes like I put a bit of olive oil but definitely salt and pepper and then I just use a covered roasting pan for about an hour and a half I take the lid off for the last 10 minutes or so and then you've got a perfect roast chicken I do love roasting chicken. I just roasted one yesterday, actually. (laughs) I I just love them. You're right. Like it's, I even find it like, so like you said about the $10 rotisserie chicken here in Australia, I mean, it's just my husband and I, so that is kind of a benefit, but I can buy like a smaller one that's perfect for us too. And then we get a little bit more for leftovers and, um, it will be like less expensive than getting the one that is already pre-cooked. So even that is working my favorite. I'm like, how is this like cheaper? (laughs) And you know, that's an organic chicken as well. So then, you know, I I do like that side of things and I like that you can control the flavoring because you can put like whatever spices you feel like, like yesterday I made Greek style ones, some oregano and lemon. Um, But yeah, the world is your oyster. You can make whatever you like. Yeah, exactly. So easy. Now, we sort of talked a bit about how you've cooked chicken breasts enough to have all of the secrets on how to make them delicious. (laughs) So how about you share with us some of your favorite chicken cooking tips and what we can do to make sure we don't overcook chicken? Sure. So what I like to do in, I guess, most of my chicken breast recipes, I like to slice them in half lengthwise. So say you buy two chicken breasts, 
slice them in half lengthwise. So it's like you're going to butterfly the chicken and then you just do that final cut. So then you get four pieces and then that's, you know, how you can easily feed four people from two chicken breasts. Um, I do this for a couple of reasons. First, it's like quicker to cook, but that also means that it remains more tender. I don't know if you've ever tried to like cook a whole chicken breast and like a particularly large one and you know, you're doing it in the skillet and then the outside goes dry and kind of starts burning, but it's still raw in the middle. Like I like to avoid doing that. So that's why I slice them thin. Um, you can also pound them. It isn't usually my first choice, but a lot of recipes like chicken marsala, when you search for them, you know, they'll say, you know, either like slice the chicken or pound it. Um, so pounding, it's it's not difficult, but like anything, it needs a little bit of practice. So one of the easiest ways to do it is you just um, place the chicken breast between two pieces of wax paper. Um, you can use like a meat mallet or a rolling pin or, you know, like a wine bottle if you don't have anything else. Or even I've seen people use their knuckles. So you just kind of press your knuckles down in the middle. And, you know, you want to press like firmly, but not like pulverize it and kind of work your way um, towards the outer edges and not overdo it. You know, don't crush it. And then you get a thinner piece of chicken. So it cooks faster and remains more tender. Okay, so some general cooking tips uh, for chicken. So always season the meat well. Like, I found you can't really put too much salt and pepper. I mean, you can, but, you know, most people don't. Most people under rather than over-seasoned chicken, I find. Um, when you're cooking chicken in a pan, like in a skillet, make sure that you let the uh, skillet heat up for several minutes prior to putting the chicken in. If you've ever had the unfortunate experience where you're using a, non, a pan that's not a nonstick pan, like a stainless steel pan, and then the chicken is stuck to it and you can't turn it and it just will not release, then that's probably because you did not get your pan hot enough. So I really can't emphasize enough the importance of making sure that the pan is at the right temperature um, so that the chicken doesn't stick. And just to kind of go along with that, don't overcrowd the pan. So especially if you want the chicken to be a bit crispy, like say you're making like an Asian inspired dish, like, I don't know, like sweet and sour chicken or teriyaki chicken or something like, you know, we've coated the chicken with cornstarch or flour and, um, you know, you're cooking it individually. You don't want to just shove it all in the pan at once because it's going to steam and it won't get crispy. So working in batches is your friend. That's, uh, that's definitely an important thing. You know, don't overcrowd the pan because you will not get the results that you want. I've, I've found that even not just with chicken, but when you're cooking things like ground beef or as we call mm-hmm. it over here, mince, like, oh, you can tell straight away when it's too much. You're like, oh, no, it's steaming now. So, yeah, it's nice to get that, like, crisp golden color yes. on all yes. meats. But, yeah, with chicken, it's definitely noticeable too. And I, I like that you pointed out about the heating the frying pan. Like, I've definitely had that problem with stainless steel before. Like, you think that it's hot enough and then realize very quickly it wasn't. So, it's, good, it's a good idea to, like, get it started well before like not hours before you want to start, but yeah, don't just go over to it, turn it on and get ready to cook. Yeah, exactly. And I actually find I've been using cast iron cooking in my cooking a lot more these days. And it's actually a lot easier to use than stainless steel. Like stainless steel was kind of the first pots and pans scent that I bought when I moved out on my own in my early twenties. And so I learned how to use those pans, but you know, for chicken, they can be a really big pain. So I recommend like using, 
you know, cast iron or nonstick, basically anything but stainless steel if you're encountering this problem or really learn how to control the heat in the pan mm-hmm. so you don't get that annoying sticking that can really mess up your recipe. That's a really good idea. Now, what about marinating chicken? Um, this is something that I've been, I've been finding it myself doing a lot lately um, to try and get it, give it some more flavor, especially like chicken breast. Do you have any tips for that? Yeah, so marinating chicken, generally, like timing-wise, you want to give it, I'd say, at least two hours or so, so the chicken, you know, has some time to get a bit more tender and absorb those flavors. Um, You can marinate overnight. That's probably kind of the easiest, most popular option. Just, you know, get it ready for bed, toss it in the fridge, and then, you know, you can cook it the next day. You can leave it up to a couple of days. But there's just one thing that's important to point out. If your marinade is really acidic or, like, citrusy so be careful because they can actually make the meat a little bit tougher if you leave them for too long so you know if it's like a lemony marinade i would err on the side of marinating it for like under six hours just to be more careful um buttermilk now that's a great chicken marinade i'd say it's used a lot to marinate fried chicken but you know you don't make make fried chicken every day you can use it to marinate chicken just in general you know add in like some of your favorite um herbs and spices like you could make like a really good I don't even get like your favorite kind of curry flavors in there and oh you get like the most tender juicy chicken with buttermilk I haven't tried buttermilk yet, but I have seen, I actually saw someone do it with like a whole chicken the other day and I was like, I need to try that. So yeah, that's a really good idea. They just start with a cut of chicken Mm. and go from there. Yeah. And balsamic, I have a balsamic chicken marinade on my blog. I was thinking like when I was thinking, preparing for this podcast, I was like, what chicken marinades do I have on, what chicken marinades do I have on there? And I remembered and balsamic, like everyone loves, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but balsamic is a very popular flavor and when you cook it it really mellows out so you can you know do it in the oven or in the grill and that's always a popular choice that sounds delicious what about sauces because i think that um that can usually counteract even if you have maybe dried out your chicken a little bit (laughs) it can it can sort of help with that cover that up oh yeah and i'm like the sauce queen like my most popular recipes are all like chicken and some sort of sauce so yeah i mean i really like to make a good pan sauce with chicken like chicken breasts they don't have too much flavor in and of themselves so you know season it well make a delicious pan sauce and then when you perfectly cook your chicken to the 165 Fahrenheit it's a thing of beauty it'll just melt in your mouth with like a creamy pan sauce and then you know make enough sauce that you can put it on your rice or mashed potatoes or whatnot and you know that's my favorite way to enjoy chicken Mm, all right well hit me with some of your favorite sauces that are on the blog well i mentioned that cream and garlic chicken so there's that one you know that we can link um actually my cajun inspired chicken recipes have been doing really well so i have a couple that have like cajun inspired cream sauces so one's chicken lazone that's based on a recipe that a new orleans restaurant popularized several years back and it's floating around the internet so i'm like oh i should do my own version so it's like it's creamy but a little bit spicy and people seem to love that one mm. and then i have another one that i just call creamy cajun chicken just you know so people can like easily 
find that on Google. And it's also got that like those Cajun spices and like, you know, garlic and you've got your tender chicken breast. And yeah, that one, that one's a popular one too. And, um, just thinking I do have a chicken fettuccine Alfredo. So something a little bit different, um, but it's like hugely popular in America and my recipe started gaining steam recently. So I thought I'd mention that, but yeah, it's got that creamy garlicky uh, sauce and all the cheese and oh, that one's definitely like a cheat meal type meal, but it's, it's like really good. Like at the end of a long week, you just want to tuck into that and, delicious Mm, anything pasta really with me is okay (laughs) and and the creamier the better like I'm so up for that oh yum they all sound so good I I do love like a mixed uh, like a little bit of spiciness so I I think I'll have to try those Cajun recipes too Well, thank you so much, Natasha. I feel like we've covered off a lot. And I, I know that these tips are really going to help people start to get a little bit more adventurous with their chicken. So maybe, maybe they've been holding off trying a different cut or cooking in a different way, or maybe they've just been a little bit over the same old, same old. So I know that these will give them some great ideas. Where can my listeners find you to grab these recipes and also follow you for more delicious recipes? Well, my uh, website is saltandlavender.com. So, you know, open 24-7. Um, I also spend a lot of time on Instagram. So it's just salt and lavender. And, you know, if you want to DM me, I'm pretty active on there. So that's a good way to get a hold of me. I have a Pinterest account just at salt and lavender, Twitter at salt and lavender. I think that's it. Oh, Facebook at salt and lavender. So just all the main social channels I'm on there, you can uh, definitely look me up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Natasha. It has been a pleasure talking with you today. Me too. Thank you. Okay. So tell me guys, have you actually bought a meat thermometer yet? Uh, Natasha is about the 10th person to recommend one on the podcast now, and it really does take the guesswork completely out of cooking meat. Like I am someone who used to hack into my chicken breasts as I was cooking them to make sure that there was no pink inside. And that's just helping it dry out further. But since I've had that meat thermometer, now I know I just stick it in and I go, yes, it is the correct temperature. It's safe. Let's serve it. I don't need to be cutting it up. I don't need to do anything else. I just need to make sure the temperature is right and it's good to go. This episode was really packed with so many great, great, great tips. I am so glad that we had Natasha on. And for any of you who are like me, notorious overcookers of chicken, or maybe just a bit nervous to cook with it full stop, I hope that this gave you the confidence to give it a go. Okay, that's it from me. I hope you have a great week this week and don't just cook, cook it real good. Bye.